0: What can be said about God making covenants with human beings? Hello and welcome to Good Word. I am David Thomas, the convener this, this quarter of the lessons. I'm happy to have with me two uh, able conversational partners, Dr. Bruce Tace from the School of Business here at Walla Walla and Professor um, Brant Berglund from the New Testament department. and Gentlemen, um, we're talking about money management, asset management, not just money, but whatever resources we have this quarter, the the lesson looks at that. And one of the features of that is this whole idea of covenants. Uh, We all know that uh, the Bible makes mention of covenants on multiple occasions, and I think probably the grandest description of covenant is found in Deuteronomy, the last few chapters, and I'm just going to read a few verses here from Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, of course, those verses are part of a much larger story that actually occupies uh, chapters 28 to 32. But these covenants, as I've read the Bible and read about the Bible, there are two major types of covenants, and I think it's helpful to keep them in mind, unilateral ones and bilateral ones. And Brent, you're a biblical scholar. Any comments on unilateral and bilateral uh, covenants?
1: Most of the suzerain vassal covenants in the Old Testament were more unilateral, and that is the, the suzerain, the Lord, would make a covenant with a lesser tribute kingdom and that kingdom simply had to provide money or they would be wiped off the face of the earth. And they now, had to
0: meet the requirements of the covenant.
1: They yeah. did, and if they didn't meet those requirements, there was threat of of destruction. Now, sometimes like in feudal Europe, there may have been a a protection clause and that is, if you give me tribute, when you're attacked, I will come in and take care of you because it would be to the to the suzerain's benefit if that kingdom kept giving them tribute.
0: Oh, I see. But, so it could result in protect, protection money, huh?
1: Sure. But of, often the the Stronger made a unilateral covenant with the lesser, where the lesser had to give. It was a one-sided affair.
0: So, how do we look at God in covenants? See, and I, I mean, as I as I read this, I don't know, Bruce. Do you have business covenants that are made? Oh,
2: certainly, contracts of all kinds.
0: But those are usually bilateral, aren't bilateral. they? Where, where two people are, are worked out in agreement. It's not one person Correct. mandating with the other one. How would the business world look at a unilateral covenant as coercion of some kind? Probably. <laughs> Well, it's interesting in the Bible because you find both kinds, and uh, God makes some unilateral covenants, and when I read about them, I was actually made happy. For example, Matthew 5.45, God will send the sun and the rain to shine uh, or fall on both the good and the evil, and I'm grateful for that unilateral covenant. And then, of course, in Genesis, God promised there would never be a flood again, a great flood again, and I'm thankful for that promise. And perhaps the one that I'm most grateful for is this one that, uh, Genesis 8.22, God promised that as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter— day and night. Um, I am grateful for for that particular one, because uh, if those cycles get broken, um, I fear that uh, life on this planet would be very different if not ending. And notice that with these unilateral covenants, there's no human component, right? There's nothing for humans to do in in this, in the making of these covenants. But what about the bilateral covenants that God made with with people? And I think the one that um, that, uh, I read from Deuteronomy, in one way you could say it's unilateral because God made it but there is a human component to that
1: okay any thoughts coming to mind i would be curious about how the covenants these these deuteronomic covenants look to a business person bruce what when when god says you know you you obey my laws and i will i will bless you i will make your baskets overflow if i were a business person and someone said look if you if you simply follow these principles your business will thrive that sounds like good advice is it do you do you teach this sort of thing in your classes <laughs> <laughs>
2: well yes i I believe we do but uh but certainly the the covenant of God's blessing sounds conditional on on us um Returning what's his to to him and blessing
0: others. And see, I, I wonder, and and I I, I, I like your opinions. I wonder if following after the the elements of the covenant brings. Is it a good way of living so that that the results are kind of natural? They they accrue by natural means, or is this actually God actively doing something to to bless us? See. I've, I've wondered about that for, for, for many years, because it seems to me that if you live by the principles in the Bible, you bring good things into your life. And I know that, uh, I think it was Charles Wesley said that he, he didn't know what to do, because people who, who take up following after God become industrious and frugal, and they don't lie and cheat and steal, and so they become wealthy, and then they use their wealth as a means of declaring independence from God, and his solution was, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, and give as much as you can. Because I mean, this and we see this even in generations here. People come out of out of very difficult circumstances, and and they they become believers. And by the third generation, they're owning companies. So I don't know. Any thoughts on that?
2: Well, an attitude of gratefulness can go a long ways in in your disposition, in in um, in the happiness of of you and your family. And so I think that God blesses us. Um, when we serve selfishly, we give recklessly, we love lavishly, because we're mim- we're mimicking God's character, and He will return a a blessing abundantly.
0: And even though if you're a businessman and you're honest and kind and faithful, it would seem to me that that would benefit you, wouldn't it, to some extent anyway?
2: Yeah, There's certainly many examples of very successful businesses that have been run on biblical principles. Really,
0: Hobby Lobby is an interesting case.
2: Just a few weeks ago, uh, David Green, the founder. Family uh, said they're putting 100 percent of their stock into a trust, and Hobby Lobby gives um, tithe, really profits on oh, the profits on the corporate on it the also corporation gives 50 percent of its profits away to charity. Wow! And uh, he he believes that it's not his company; it's God's company, and uh, he's just um, being a steward.
0: And I heard years ago of a, of a Christian gentleman in Texas who who had a Caterpillar dealership selling big earth movie equipment and he was a tithe payer and an honest man and uh, he funded a number of radio stations up the east coast Christian radio stations on the east coast this was years ago and um, he got to the point where he was living on 10% of his income and giving away 90% so yeah
1: my son is a um is a a department supervisor at Home Depot. And he was flown back to Atlanta recently to the corporate headquarters for some training. And he learned the history of Home Depot as well and found out that philanthropy is one of the major parts of their, their mode of operation. And without that, they said our business would fail. Uh, it's fascinating to hear that business is not just all about profit. I think sometimes corporate world gets a bad rap that all they're out for is profit at the expense of everyone else. That's certainly not always the case. No, but yeah. some seem to be.
0: Yeah, oh,
2: definitely. But many do strive to um, – for the, the the triple bottom line, the, the three Ps. It's not just profits, but it's people and planet yeah.
1: and uh, – yeah. Oh, and and planet, too. Mm -hmm. And peace. And peace. So not just people, but... Say it again. Not just people, but not, not just profit. Profit, prophet, people, people and planet, mm-hmm. and planet and peace. Uh, interesting.
0: Now, um, I'm interested in, in a couple of covenants here: the covenant of salvation and the covenant uh, that God made with Israel after Exodus. Because it seemed to me in both of these, there is a human component that that is very significant. And I think uh, let, let's think about the covenant of salvation first of all, because this is a, a, a gift that God offers, but it seems like it has to be accepted. Wouldn't you say that's true, Brent? Yeah.
1: When when I read Romans, um, Paul's very clear that God has provided justification for all people. That's, that act has been done for all people, but not everybody chooses to take advantage of what God has provided and to enter into the relationship. So you're not a universalist. I'm not a universalist. I, I, that would violate free will of people, and I don't believe God's grace is so irresistible that it can automatically transform people against their will.
0: Yeah. So you're taking the position that that God has made salvation available to anybody who would accept it.
1: He has, and he has made it so beautifully attractive. There are people who read the Bible who have never had a background in any biblical studies. They read the story of Jesus, and they're absolutely moved by what God has done for us in Christ. Not everybody responds to that.
0: Yeah. But, of course, when you respond to an invitation like that, you incur some obligations, don't you?
1: You do. I even – Deuteronomy 28. Now, it will be if you diligently obey the Lord your God. Uh, what, what Deuteronomy shows us is I have difficulty doing that. And Jesus comes along and says, in spite of your inability, I still love you and still want you as part of my family. So now what you need to do, the condition is you need to trust me. Yeah. You need to trust me.
0: But, but th- 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 those conditions are not – um, they're not prerequisites to the gift,
1: nor his, nor God's affection for me.
0: Yeah, no, nope. those things are subsequent to. They are. Yeah, so they're a response to what God has done. We're we're getting done with time here, but I, I did want to spend a few minutes with a little parable that Jesus told about the wise man and the foolish man who built one built on the rock and one built on the sand. It seems to me that there's a, a great lesson in life for that, is that if we build on the solid principles uh, of, of, of God and Christ, that um, there's a good possibility that we will flourish, whereas if we go our own way, uh, we, we will perish. And what intrigues me the most here is that oftentimes the, the effects of decisions are not known until a crisis emerges, Right. Anyway, I I see I I wrote again about restraint and constraint. We talked about that last week, but I think it's a very significant one that we should think about here. Uh, And Psalm 116.12, I think, is a thought-provoking question. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Very clearly pointing to the fact that this is a response to something that God has has done in our behalf.
1: And tithe is just a... a touch of that just the surface of that what shall i render to the lord and um bruce you've already mentioned the idea of gratitude having an an attitude of gratitude and especially during the uh thanksgiving period that we've just gone through here um this this becomes a significant part of christian life Wow.
0: wow any other thoughts for this is the love of god and we keep his commandments um I've always thought of that, too. You know, I have to say that when I was growing up, I used to think that the commandments were requirements that that we had to keep uh, in order to please God. Um, I'm much happier with them being a response to the goodness of God and and describing how things are. So, Anyway, well, thank you very much, Uh, bilateral and unilateral covenants, and we do have a part to play in our own redemption and in our own growth. My thanks to Bruce and... um, Brant for joining me today. My thanks to Kristen Bailey, our engineer, and my thanks to you for listening. For The Good Word, I'm David Thomas.
2: You've been listening to Good Word, a production of the School of Theology at Walla Walla University and KGTS-FM. To order a copy of today's broadcast, you can call 509-527-2194. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week at this time with Good Word.